Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another week of Growing With My Grow Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. First, I'll pass it over to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram, Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. Make sure you, it's just like it is. Well, actually, there's a space on my screen. I should change that. <laughs> um, otherwise, you can shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. Uh, that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. I'll get to you. I don't I don't think I missed any of my emails. <clears throat> and I actually just started my YouTube channel up today. I did upload one one video, but it's kind of a selfish reason. I'm just going to take the questions I get the most and I'm going to make videos. So now I can just send people links instead of having to explain the same thing over and over. <laughs> so it's Very a little efficient. selfish. <laughs> I'm already doing that with your Instagram. You've got your re-amendment post. And I'm like, I used to send people a list, like broken down step-by-step step of what you sent to me along like two, maybe three years ago now. And uh, now I've sent that same list as well as a, uh, a copy of the post that you made on Instagram. And nice. I'm loving so That's what I did today on YouTube. It was a re-amendment video. I was like, I'm going to do that one because I still, that's the one I get asked the most. That's definitely a great one, man. And uh, I'm happy that you can put it on YouTube so it's easier to share and more people get access to it. Next up, I'm going to introduce Dr. MJ. Hey, guys. Yeah, Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I am uh, excited to do a Q&A show and get to, you know, interact more with the audience today. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on YouTube um, there on Dr. MJ Coco channel on Instagram and, of course, at CocoForCannabis.com. Happy to have you back as always. Next up, Matthew Gates. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated test management specialist. For those who don't know, I just did a live stream on my Instagram channel, Sync Angel. That's S Y N C H A N G E L. And we discuss bud rot management. So you can check that out. I also have an edit of that on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol, which is the same account I am chatting in the uh, chat zone with. It's interesting. Speaking of the chat, I notice on my web browser, it still says live chat and top chat, but on my phone, it says all messages or top messages. So if you want to see all the messages, you can select that top or <laughs> all messages versus the uh, some messages or top messages, whatever it is. So next up, I want to introduce the last panelist who's with us. I think Noah's going to be joining us soon, but we've got next the American one. Hello, Jack panel, everyone in chat. I am the American one on YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. And uh, yeah, it's always good to be here. I hope everyone had a great weekend and looking forward to the week. And um, yeah, I saw Doc earlier on uh, Crispy and Smart Poker for a minute. That was cool. And I saw Sparring Grown on Hemp with Gigi for a minute too. So it was cool seeing you guys out there. And, and yeah, Matthew Gates was on... Uh, Oh, now I forget. But anyway, it's always good seeing everybody out and about. Well, you're the one that gets out and about the most, it sounds like there, Tao. So thank Matthew you for was supporting on. all those shows and creators, too. That's cool, yeah. Tao and his genetics everywhere, are everywhere. Mr. Yeah. Worldwide. He's the, called the American one, but he's really the international one. <laughs> the international one. I like it. I will put him on the spot because he's always got good questions. Tao, you are, uh, you've been... In one of the reviews somebody wrote, they said Tao is like the everyman sometimes. He asks the questions that we want to hear. So you started off tonight and throw a question at us that you've been thinking about because I know you've got you've always got a good one on your mind at some point, cannabis related or otherwise. 
Yeah, you know what came up recently, which I was thinking about, uh, like, I've, I guess I never really took very long clones. You know, people are saying like eight to 10 inch clones. That's pretty freaking long. I, I usually do about half that. And then so, for a while, I was doing really baby ones. And I mean, I've had success all the way across, you know, some better than others. And at certain times, but way better than others. But what do you guys think is the most proficient at uh, creating a new plant? Like, doesn't even have to be quickness, more like success. You I would go right I, in between all of that, to be right honest. Between, yeah. Okay, there you go. Like six to seven inch clones or cuttings usually. But like you're saying, I mean, you can take like a three or four inch cutting and, and root it. it. There's a little bit less sort of plant to work with. I think going the other way and, and getting a larger cutting, you risk sort of not rooting before the plant. This larger surface area, you're, you're going to have a, a harder time sort of getting that sometimes. But so there's a sweet spot. Um, yeah, the you other know, thing the that I basically think, dehydrates. The yeah. other thing I think about when doing taking clones is um, back in the day, I did it in those little one by one rock wool cubes. And I'm trying to remember now if they, I, what size I took. I think I took the size like you're kind of alluding to, like in between there. But um, does it matter how much you bury of the stem? You don't want to bury too far in certain situations where it gets stem rot. But right. Yeah, it certainly depends on how you're cloning, too. Yeah, yeah, because in dirt, it's different, yeah. Because yeah. I'm trying to figure out how, um, like, I'm nervous to reuse my soil for for clones because I think it has, you know, uh, it might be too hot and it's just an, an unknown variable. But if I start with fresh pro mix, it's good. But then I I, mean, I have to get pro mix all the time. I, like, I, I'm trying to get as like uh, people like closed loop as much as possible right now. That would be great. It's tough. Uh, yeah, With because clones, you want a yeah. really neutral media that's that's low EC for yep. for cloning. Yep. Um, and reusing it, it's it's tough. You're sort of fighting uphill. You almost always have to introduce new media into a grow. You're going to lose some through various processes. So even if you try to recycle yes. as best as you possibly can, There's you're going to need to, yep. to add some new media. And this is where I would add it. I would I would add the you know a little right. plug of peat to start yeah. your your clones every time. And Maybe that's the answer. A plug of peat would be better. Well, and even yeah. if you don't lose it, peat breaks down into a point where it becomes like dust, you know, and, and yeah. it's just not so as good as when it's a little bit chunkier and better with aeration. It'll right. become so that dust and then it becomes so. none. But it becomes part of your soil, I mean, or whatever you're growing yeah. in, basically, when you transplant up. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I do really, I, I do understand the, the closing the loop there, but it's tough. You got to yeah. think about your odds of success and, you know, reliability of the system. Yeah, definitely. I'll, so I'll throw my head. How did you guys do it, though, at, uh, when you worked at the commercial spot? Or did you buy your clothes? Huskin Spartan? Yeah, I'm asking Spartan, yeah. Um, to answer that question specifically, we use peat plugs. We use root right cubes. Okay. In, in clone domes and trays on a, on a three-shelf shelf uh, up against the wall about as far away from the light as we can get it it was just getting barely any side lighting from the regular veg lights 
Um, and now if you want to go the other way, you could go, if you want to really be like close to the loop, you could just clone in air and water. You do either hydro yeah. cloning or aero cloning. And yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. suggestion. Permaclone collars. Kind you of can point sterilize it. Yeah. I was going to get to that point with, with Tao is like, it's important to know how you're cloning because for me specifically at home, I prefer the oxy cloner and I want a longer stem for that because right. I want it to go, go down and be into the water. I want that. So if I'm taking an oxyclone cutting, then I'm taking a longer cutting for sure. Got it. Got it. Uh, and it's more root, you know, even whether it's in the, you know, uh, yeah, generally speaking, yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously you guys brought up great points for, you know, you can get too big for sure, but generally speaking, a bigger clone is going to give you a bigger plant to start out with. So why not go for that? You know, I, I kind of error on the side of a little bit larger maybe, but, uh, I like to, to have a little bit bigger plant and I like to strip off all the leaves, but just the two top ones so that I don't have to lollipop in beds usually because <laughs> I've got a nice clone that's already got it lollipops, man. That oxyclone is amazing. I've put 12 inch thumb sized cuts, like basically full plants that had to be like cut down to be reset for a number of reasons. And they were like blowing out the collar, but it still worked. You know, it just, uh, it's amazing what those things are able to do. And if you keep it clean, that's the main thing. You really have to sterilize it and clean it. And the other thing is it's hard during the summertime. If you don't have a chiller, um, I, I suggest it's like a you know frozen water bottle or some like they make these ice cubes that are not really ice cubes. They're like uh, plastic or synthetic, whatever. You throw them in your freezer and you could just drop a couple of those in there to regulate the, the temperature down because if it gets too hot, they're not going to root as well. And you're going to start to get slime and biofilm and stuff building up on your pumps. And uh, yeah, I don't really I mean, even like air stones. The people make the mistake to think that that has to be in their grow. Move that goddamn cloner into your house or into a fucking spare bedroom or somewhere where it's cooler, just ambient temperature cooler. You doesn't have to be in the grow getting baked by lights. If you're struggling with heat temperature, just get that fucking thing out of there. Well, the, the clones the want it to be pretty warm. Light. They just don't want it to be, you know. For me, we well, just don't have AC. So like my general house, no matter where you're at in the heat of the summer, oh, like okay. at a certain time, it's going to get too hot. My grow is so tiny. It's like in a tent separated, probably 10 or 15 feet away from the, where the clones are at. Um, it's just the circulation in that area is not the greatest. You know, it's a, a cabinet. <laughs> I, I go very minimalist. There's like a little fan on it. It's in a kitchen cabinet and I've got a little under the shelf LED kind of thing, but it works. And I, I can't complain. Like I've had so much success with clones and I always like you kind of talked about your YouTube at the beginning. I have a post where I used the oxycloner the first couple of times and demonstrated it. Like here's the cut, the size and everything. And like, here's the result and here's how I transplant and everything. And uh, it's nice to have as a reference point because once you get a system that works for you, I think a lot of people stick with that um, until maybe it doesn't work anymore, <laughs> but uh, it's good to know multiple methods. I, I used to do the root riots or rapid rooters yeah. as well. I've never been a huge rock wolf fan um, just generally, but it does work very well for clones. I've seen a lot of really, really great success from commercial to home settings where people just, that's the one that will work for them. And even if they're like in a living soil organic, they just love rock wool cloning because that's been the most successful for them. So um, I'm curious what Noah Vigroa thinks, because I know you're a pretty uh, regular clone taker. So what kind of methodology do you take and how large? How's it going, everybody? Yeah, I, uh, I've i done all. I've been listening very intently. I've done all the things. I actually just sprung for the permacolor for myself. This is my first run of it within my Aeroclone, where I have a Turbo Cloner 24-site one. I actually have another one, too, but this one I've had forever, and I just love it. 
but I've done the the rapid the root riot things. I've done uh, like my local hydro store had like these like their own little like peat moss things I used to use for a while that were pretty good. And um, but I I will second that once you get to a really good method that um, that works for you, then like that's what you want to stick with. But I also I heard Spartan say that you don't want it right directly in your light. You want it kind of indirect light. And I totally agree with that too. So once you start kind of doing it more and more and more, you just kind of get what works for it. But, and then also inside those aero cloners, you got to be careful because it will get warm. And sometimes they'll kind of like just drink water or like the water will kind of like dissipate, like through like, you know, like just on the side and stuff. So you kind of want to make sure you're checking that constantly and you can kind of like change out your water. It'll help with that biofilm. It'll help that, you know, the, the temperature in there too. And yeah. cloning is always uh it's the one of the most basic things but you're constantly learning i mean i've been doing it for 11 12 years and i'm constantly switching stuff up trying new things and just you know experiment with it it's definitely an interesting process and uh i do know that's one thing a lot of people do struggle with i even got a little soil blocker thing that i was going to use more for popping seeds but it could also be used for making little plugs if you wanted to reuse your own medium it's like a little cool you know on amazon you can for like 15 20 bucks it's a little i was surprised when you sent me that i thought it was gonna be more expensive man when you found it it was all metal too it wasn't some plastic one yeah i mean it's all metal the one exception is like there's these little plastic tips that give you different sizes and depths for the blocks and um the thing that in just playing around with it i found out is you have to get the soil pretty wet to get them to hold together and block well but you don't have to plant directly after you make them so I get the soils kind of blocked out and then let it dry a little bit before I plant into it. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it's a interesting process and I definitely think you can use the same thing for taking clones. If you wanted to start in the soil that you're going to go into for your veg and then use in flower type thing like that. So that it kind of gets used to what it's going to be growing in the rest of the time. That was the reason I started with it. And, um, it's interesting to play with, but I, if I was to take clones today, I'd still probably go with the oxyclone just because I've had so much success with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you really want to make sure you're preserving something, I think you want to go with your tried and true method because, uh, you never want to lose that genetic. That's a really, I've, I've had it happen. <laughs> it's a bad feeling to lose that, uh, plant that you really love. So yeah. definitely take multiple cuts and use the tried and true method when it's something like that. Also with those aero cloner, oxycloner things, when you, when you look at them, when you clean them, those little things that come off that kind of will change directions. So when you look in there, you kind of want to make sure it's one that's spraying. Like some of the little sites, they won't be as much water. I like ones that are kind of like, you know, maybe not just like pouring on it, spraying, but you want to kind of make sure. And then like, you know, that can kind of be like another thing is if I want to take like 10 clones, I'll fill the whole thing up knowing that I'm only going to keep 10 because you'd be surprised. Sometimes you're like, oh, shoot, I, I took three clones and only one of them lived. That's only happened a few times, but sometimes that'll happen. So I always just take way more than just possible. I don't lose. I think it's important what you said earlier too about uh, to change the water. Like I use, I keep track on like a little dry race board that I keep right next to my cloner because I use that to label what is what. But I have a date and I just put last water change because I like to change the water at least at the at the very least once a week. And I'm using just straight tap water. I'm not even putting anything in it because I'm counting on the chlorine. I want the chlorine in the city water and all that that keeps the bacteria and everything down. I'm just using that. That's free, you know, sending to me in my in my pipes. So I'm changing that water out more often to address those issues, to keep it clean, to re-up my chlorine levels, <laughs> you know, and all that good stuff. 
to keep the everything nice and clean for me. And I just happen to not have to use any rooting hormones. I'm just, I'm taking cuttings and sticking them in my oxy corner and changing the water. And that's all I'm doing. Some people uh, have even said that um, some of these, the use of some of these hormones has maybe had had implications for hoplite and viroid transmission. And especially since apparently it gets into the roots very commonly and it's easier to take samples and get a positive from that area. It could be that the hormones sort of facilitate movement in the plant. I just had a couple extra notes on the oxyclone use was um, I don't use the pump inside the actual water. I just have a air pump outside and I run two little tubes in. Uh, to get the oxygen flowing through because it's easier to either disinfect or just cut off a little bit of that tube each time you use it than trying to clean the air stones. I've seen people do a bunch of different things with air stones and not necessarily always be happy with them. And even the pump itself is really hard to clean. So if you don't have to have that in the water, which I personally don't think you do, um, it can be beneficial for just ease of use. And the other note I was going to say is you can actually fit more than one clone in those collars. It's not ideal, but it, like if you get like the 20 site and you want to take 40 clones or if you get the smallest one or whatever, and you need to take more, you can double or even triple up. I've had success with three. It gets to be a little bit of a mess with three because uh, the bundle of roots pulling them apart, you're going to end up damaging and breaking some off. Um, but two, I think is pretty common and, and you can be fairly successful. Ideally, just one per. But um, and and getting it before like they get super long, the, like the cross. You know how it makes a cross in the clone. Use yeah. each point of the cross to put it. So one at that point, one at this point, one at that point. If I'm, if I have to do three, that's you can pull it to the corners. Yeah, so they're not yeah, kind of separated. No, that's a great point. Um, because you can those collars are like you can they're like a foam type material or the permaclone are kind of like more rubberized, but you can open them up and then slide each clone into each little slot and uh, make it so that their stems aren't directly rubbing up against one another because I think that's uh, asking for pathogen and other issues. So the other thing that I was just going to finish up with the oxyclone is you don't want to let the roots grow. Like I see some people like want to do like root porn and like lift up the thing and have like 20 inch long roots. Um, it might look cool, but I think it really makes it difficult to plant into a medium. Like if you're going to go into a solo cup or a one gallon, they're really long and straggly. I think like, you know, within an inch or two, um, that's probably as as long as you might need you can also cut them back like spartans demonstrating um but yeah I, I don't if they get left in there a little longer that's fine but i don't think it should be like your sop to let them grow like 10 15 20 inches long even though that might be what looks really cool on instagram when you see like somebody lifted up and just all these big white healthy roots it's uh, a bunch of them i think are going to get cut back or damaged in the transplant process and not necessarily even be ideal I, some people have kind of talked about the idea of like, is there a difference between like water root versus roots that grow in soil or like a cocoa medium? Um, so I don't see a huge, and I've gone from the oxycloner to cocoa and I've gone from the oxycloner to soil and both of them seem to just take right off and not have any issues. So I think as long as you transplant it successfully, I'm using a little bit of mycorrhizal at that point, but uh, even without it, I've seen them just take right off just fine. So I'm not sure if there's too much validity of like the difference between a water root versus a root that's in a medium like soil or uh, cocoa. I have highlighted a few questions though, um, unless anybody else has more thoughts on the initial discussion that we could uh, get into. A few of them are actually clone related, uh, unbeknownst. Maybe it was because of the conversation we were already having, but Kate Armstrong has one that's not clone related if uh, we're ready to get into that. All right, sounds like we are. They say, at Cheap Home Grow, 
would you suggest using a 50-50 cocoa soil mix? Would you have to buffer the cocoa? I'll, I'll take that one. At least start that one. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. There's good 50-50 mixes with, with peat and cocoa. Um, it, it kind of depends on why. So I would ask you sort of like, what are you hoping to get out of that? I definitely think that the cocoa helps make the peat a little bit better. Um, the peat in certain ways takes some of the stress off the CalMag issue. Um, I would use a sort of a high porosity blend of, of uh, potting soil or peat, and then you can basically treat it just like I would treat cocoa for the most part if you stay in small enough containers. So sure, but I, I would want to know sort of, if, is there a reason to want to do that? Um, I, I think you can grow in all just one or the other. I, and I'm not sure that there's tremendous sort of benefits to, to mixing them. Now I do start plants like seedlings again, like or clones in a peat plug but go from there and put that into, into cocoa myself. Um, and the reason for that is that, that peat is better buffered. So you can run a, a lower EC and not sure show up with CalMag deficiencies um, than cocoa is. But, you know, and peat, if it's a high porosity peat, um, then you can water it pretty much as frequently as you can with cocoa. They're both soilless. They're both hydroponic. Um, so, you know, unless you're adding other things to it to do nutrition, then you're going to be growing hydroponically with, with sort of fertigating in your nutrients. And when you're fertigating, I personally, and there's a lot of sort of science to back this up, think that high frequency fertigation sort of unlocks the best growth potential. So, for you know but again you can still basically do that with peat i think some of the downsides to doing that and the reason that i wouldn't just do that all the time is peat is a sort of non-renewable resource um and it has a bigger environmental impact growing in peat than it does growing in cocoa so i would encourage you to think about hey could i just do what i'm trying to do in cocoa too those are my thoughts I think that I'm with you on pick one or the other and then, you know, go with that. And I think if you're going to go Pete, you're probably going to be taking the organic path and amending other things into it. I don't see as many people these days choosing Pete as their primary medium for hydroponic, although oh, it yeah, was used for a long time. Um, in Canada, I think still so. I see a lot of ProMix used up there. Cocoa, I think, has really taken the lion's share of the market for hydro, at least from who i interact with i, I don't know about the uh look at everybody that grows with like the fox farm products i think the ocean forest the fox farm yeah ocean forest and then it sort of starts off with those peat-based bends and they're using the fox farm nutrients or some other nutrients fertigating and nutrients after like a veg period um that's a, a fairly common way for growers to grow in peat whether it's with that sort of particular style or with another but I don't assume that growers in peat are necessarily amending, or certainly that they're they're amending organic um, inputs. Uh, I see a lot of growers fertigating in peat. Well, and I think um, Noah the grower is one of them, or was one of them for a while, and he's recently switched over to a more uh, peat-based, like Bio three six five soil and other things like that. But I, I do see a lot of 
people, I think, start with Fox Farm and they stick with it for a while. But I do think a lot of those people end up either going into cocoa or other forms of hydro like DWC um, or either trying like peat based blends and things like that. Um, whether it's like a subcool super soil or something from build a soil or a coots mix, there's so many things out there. Um, I think a lot of growers are, are kind of tinkerers and we're curious. We like to try uh, many, many different things. And once you look kind of into Fox farm, a lot of people uh, get disappointed by it because it, oh, if they're I'm not in not, a large I'm enough pot. Up. I'm just saying it's an incredibly common gateway into being a home grower. Oh, for and sure. And I think a lot of people approach home growing with the idea that I need to get me some potting soil and then I need to get me some bottled nutrients to feed to my cannabis plants. And, you know, they try to look around and cast about sort of what the best ways to do that. But a lot of brand new growers or people considering growing sort of have that set of, of expectations. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So I think that that's all of those. That is true. Um, I, I, you know, I think cocoa can be part of a, a organic soilless or uh, sorry, an organic, you know, um, option for an amended grow as and and that's probably where blending peat and cocoa i think makes the most sense using some portion of cocoa um when you're mixing up your your quote unquote sort of super soils um or other heavily amended soils for growing in an organic style because cocoa has some interesting properties that it can contribute to that sort that's, of soil that's kind of how i was approaching completely opposite of of the way Dr. Coco, and that's why I love these shows, the way Dr. Coco and Jack were kind of talking, I was going to approach that question all completely opposite from the organic side and yeah. caution against that high of a split of 50-50 and really encourage about a 30% cocoa and, and um, you know, and, and stick with that, you know, a third, third, and third uh, mix with your, your basic uh, organic mix and use that cocoa as one of the thirds for aeration. Cocoa is a great one for the aeration portion of that mix. And so it could take up that whole mix if you wanted to, that whole 30%, and then use your, your peat for the other 30 and then compost for the other 30. And there's your basic mix right there. And it can totally be can worked into that. It's an organic substance. So it's not like it has to be used for synthetic nutrients or, it, or because it's very common and works very well with synthetic nutrients doesn't mean that's the only thing it works with. It's 100% has a place in organics as well. And yep. it uh, often is used for a uh, for uh, aeration because that's what's really good at even fully saturated. It has a lot of air. Well, you can even it's go cocoa, cocoa style for, for water retention because it holds back a lot, a lot of water in those situations. Yeah, it's kind of like a vermiculite. It's kind of like it can be either. Like it could be the aeration or in the third, a third, a third, where it's typically a third, uh, you know, Canadian sphagnum, uh, you know, uh, peat moss, and then a third aeration and a third compost. If you use cocoa instead of peat. In that mix, you can use something like pumice or rice hulls or other things. Um, Coco Loco is a pretty yeah. common one. I think it's actually made by Fox Farm. Um, but yep. instead of using peat, they use cocoa. And they, I'm pretty sure they use the same nutrient blend within there. And so it's essentially yeah, just an alternative option. Too, so it's it's heavier. It's like it's a little bit heavier than cocoa. It's got worm castings blended in. But yeah, I've grown in that and it does very well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's an option that is out there and, and working. So, and one of the reasons to sort of, I agree with everything Spartan said, it's funny that he's like, we're coming at this from different perspectives, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. 30% is probably better in a, in a soil grow like that. 
And I think the question asked, is buffering still necessary? I would say yes, it's definitely still a good idea. And that's one of the reasons why you're, you're going to want, it's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why you may not want to go as high as a ratio of 50% um, if you're not fertigating, because it, it the coca will always be a little bit hungry for CalMag, and it will take that out of other solutions. So um, it, it's something to be aware of. The larger percentage of cocoa that you use, sort of the bigger that issue is going to be. If cocoa is a minority player in your mix, then plants are pretty easy, easily able to sort of get enough Cal and Mag and avoid those issues. Yeah, I think that kind of goes to answer the second part of the question about do I need to buffer the cocoa yeah. using it? And I think along the lines of what you're going into right now is like, yeah, the more cocoa you're using, if you're using 50% cocoa, I would say, yes, you need to buffer your cocoa. Right. Losing 30%, I, I wouldn't worry about it so much. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's sort of why you use the 30%. Right. I mean, instead, it just is a little bit easier on, on CalMag all throughout that growth. One of my buddies, uh, who's a very successful grower, he uses Fox Farms at about 20, 30 percent cocoa. And whenever we go somewhere, his weed is just as good as anybody's. So and he uses like an organic based bottled nutrients. So it, it can be worked that way, too. For I, I know a guy who does it for sure. Yeah. Well, there's like a lot of different ways to grow cannabis plants. I was going to say, um, even in peat, that they can tend to be pretty calcium hungry and front loading just calcium or like gypsum and things like that can help uh, mitigate some. Of, I think Brandon uses lots of that when he, he tests his soil and he notices that a few things are being eaten up a lot more than other things. And a lot of people like to like say that, oh, cannabis can't be hungry for this or that. But the soil tests, I, I think, pretty much confirm that it truly is hungry for certain specific nutrients more so than others in certain environments. So um, I heard people kind of scoff at, oh, saying it's a this or that hungry plant. But like when you're agronomically testing the soil, it's, you know, pretty definitive that it is hungry for, you know, X, Y, or Z. And in this case, I do think calcium is a pretty major one that uh, it shows whether in, especially in cocoa, because cocoa, the material naturally has the tendency to right. um, want to yank it away because how it operates you know the cation exchange yeah. and everything like that well, well that that's the thing cannabis plants definitely want a, a pretty heavy dose of calcium and magnesium like all cannabis plants i mean we're trying to grow plants pretty fast and put on a, a great deal of sort of weight right into their flowers and so well, we've got to support that one of the ways that that we grow plants that quickly um, is by supporting them with fairly large doses of, of calcium and magnesium and all of the different styles of fertilization. We account for making sure that the cannabis plants get pretty good doses of calcium and magnesium. The challenge in cocoa is that cocoa also binds with calcium and magnesium. And so it, it prevents the plant from getting that fairly large dose that cannabis plants want in order to grow well. And when we're pushing the plant to grow well in other ways, it'll start to show nutrient deficiencies um, pretty quickly in cocoa because basically the point you're making, like all cannabis plants want calcium and magnesium. And if you take it away from them, they get grumpy pretty fast. Um, so, yeah. Indeed. I, yeah, I don't like the, I feel like I'm not trying to tell people not to speak a certain way, but I think that's one of the like downsides of using euphemisms like the plant is hungry for it. 
you know, like the physics of how the nutrients get into the plant. I don't know. I wouldn't use that term. I feel like it creates this idea that like you, like we just said, like that the plants like, Oh, I'm not going to eat that. Like there's a sort of intellect to it when re when in reality, that's actually one of the problems with both nutrients uh, getting over fertilization or under fertilization is that is that it's not like the plant can say no, like <laughs> that's what's happening. The nutrient goes through anyways, or what other, what other, other substances do and causes damage to the plant. There, there's actually not an off switch. Um, the off switches are the roots get burned or something. Yeah, or the things get out of whack in other ways. I agree. I, I also don't like thinking about the hung, the eating specific terms. I wish we never called it plant food because I get, I think that that connotes the wrong ideas about the flow of energy through the systems. It, it it's not the source of energy for the plants. It's more like respiration, kind of. It's like a building block, sort of. I feel like the energy really comes from the light and the CO two, like most of the exactly. It really comes from the light. The energy comes from the light. The, the carbon comes from the CO2. Right, um, right. But the carbon isn't really the source of the energy. And things like nitrogen are used, you know, in the process of, of synthesizing certain photosynthate um, and to, to sort of mitigate other cellular pressures. But they're not the source of the energy. The source of the energy is the photons that arrive from the light. Um, right. And if you want the plants to have more energy, you need to give them sort of more light. And a lot of people think that you can sort of change and give them less light as long as you're giving them more nutrients, because like the nutrients will they'll eat it or something like it'll replace. The, it's not at all. But, sort of yeah, I think the, I think the better analogy would be is the light is the food and mineral is your vitamin. Yeah, yeah, I think the nutrients are the vitamins too. I think yeah, the nutrients are just your little vitamin that you take during the day, and yeah. that's all you're really given. And the bulk of their energy and everything's coming from those lights. For sure. Good points. And uh, I think that we definitely answered Kate Armstrong's question very well there. And Sal Blydenberg says at Cheap Home Grow, taking clones in the first few weeks of flower, bad idea? Question mark. And I guess I'll pass it first to Noah. Um, I wouldn't do it like, you know what I mean? Like as a, a, a practice, but if you need to, like, I've definitely done it. You know what I mean? Like if I had a, where I just was lazy and didn't clone on time or forgot to clone one or like, Oh, I really want this back. Or I've definitely done it. I've done it to where I was, there was buds on them and I cloned like three, four weeks in, but yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. It, it makes it a little harder in my opinion. You know, that's, that's my experience. What do you think, Tal? Sorry, it wasn't quick on the mute, but yeah, I uh, I say cloning is a good all the time, but yeah, no, you want to if you get the plant and veg, healthy plant and veg, and you take a cut cutting of that and try and make it grow roots, it'll have a much better, quicker chance of doing it than uh, when it's in flower. But yeah, I've I've taken them when I was harvesting a plant and it works. So if it's to the you know if it's that kind of situation, you could definitely do it, but. If you if you're going, some people do it on purpose. They call it uh, what do they call it? Monster, monster cropping. cropping. Monster yeah, cropping. Yeah, it's yeah, funny because yeah, we've it. got a, a reveg and a monster crop question. And what's the latest? Like the you would take thing. a clone after full already. Yeah, after I don't like the monster. I don't like the monster crop either because it makes a windily, spindly. The like the new branches are all weak and, and the hormones have like to be it. messed up with that yeah, process. Well, Going flower back I to veg, back to flower as like a regular go. process. I, I think yeah. that would be probably your most likely yeah. to see. 
uh, intersex plants or uh, hermaphrodism. So, I mean, that's yeah, kind of what you're doing is just experimenting and having fun with plants in your grow space or whatever. But if you're trying to do production, like nobody's going to be monster cropping for like consistent production. Zero right. people are going to do that. I had a guy who tried to argue he got his biggest yields off monster crop, but then he would post like a nug and then it would be like a, a 10 gram nug. And then like two posts later, he'd post it blocked out and he'd be like, this is a 40 gram nug and like this guy was like all over the place so i was like his claims are a little bit uh suspect yeah. and i followed him for a while and it just it never really showed to be demonstrated very effectively and and i don't even know if he's still on the gram anymore but yeah i mean the way i look at it is is a lot i mean i'm going to echo a lot of what was already said but i mean if you preserve if the if the if the whole thing is you're trying to preserve the genetics and that's your last ditch option at by all means yes take yeah. a clone at any point in the plant's life it's going to be harder for that thing to to, to take and strike if it, you take it in flower at any period and the longer you go in flower the harder it gets and at, at some point in flower it's going to go from just a regular cutting clone to uh oh i've got to root and reveg. that's what they're talking about with monster crop it's, it's actually just revegging as it's rooting so it takes a long, long time and it, it makes it harder to, to be successful. And then um, the last thing that we, we brought up was the, the re-veg itself is like, it's another option is like, if you're just trying to save genetics, you can wait till harvest and just harvest the top two thirds of the plant and leave the bottom third of the plant. You know what I mean? With the, enough vegetative growth there for it to be able to get light again. So you take that pot that's the bottom third and you put it back in the bedroom and it's going to look ugly for a while, but eventually it's going to get some nice, decent growth out of it that you can cut a regular clone and cutting off of, but it's going to take a while. So like, these are all options for sure, but none of those are great options. You know, the best option is like what, you know, everybody said is, you know, get a good healthy clone off or cutting off of a plant in veg while it's still in the veg phase. Now, the hormones aren't trying to change or it's all it's set up ready to go to be successful so yes you can do it but not great not a great practice yeah i totally agree with that spark and it's a rescue mission at that point i mean you're doing it to rescue the genetics or whatever you're not doing it to actually like clone per se right you're doing that because and at that point i like your idea of like you know trying to save the plan off the other end too and if you really want to save the genetics pull a bunch of clones off of it because you might not get them all to root and then yeah do what what spartan's saying there just harvest the top and you can probably harvest the top all but one branch um and you know leave that one branch and try to reveg that is sort of the the last safety insurance measure on this plant but it, it's definitely tough again to his point to both do a reveg and a rooting at the same time and it will definitely have lower odds of success than your standard clone run. So I have two thoughts on this. Um, initially, like mistakes were made. That's like first thought. And not it happens to everybody. We've all done this. Uh, right. But two, uh, possible, yes. Ideal, no. So just to summarize it briefly, and uh, if anybody else has any thoughts, we can discuss them now. Otherwise, I think we're going to go lightning round on these next couple questions. I have one thought. I have one thought. If you got to do this, take your clones before the end of the bolt or before the end of the stretch. Um, that that three weeks where the plants are still growing, you're definitely going to have an easier time rooting a plant 
at the beginning, like during that period of, of the flowering time, which it sounds like he was at, right? As opposed to waiting a few more weeks and trying to reveg something that's like four or five, six weeks into flowering. Um, I'll just say that. Good point. Anybody else have any thoughts on that one before we do a little lightning round on a related questions so we can just kind of give like a one sentence answer because these were all very similar to what we just discussed um but yeah i think that we all kind of tapped in there and if, if you have any thoughts speak now or forever hold your peace um let's see what's next Alice bucket says what's the latest after flip you would take a clone um and again this is like you could take it all the way up to harvest but not ideal um i personally just within the first three weeks is like Doc was saying before the bolt stops for me. If I'm trying to like really uh, not give myself a bunch of headache in the process, but I will. If it was like the super most specialist unicorn of plant at harvest, I instead of doing what Spartan was saying, I'll I'll give one little uh, difference of advice there. Instead of harvesting like the top two thirds or however much of the plant and leaving the last little bit and trying to get those to reveg, I would take a cutting off of those little lowers. And then try and root that and reveg that because watering the cutting is a lot easier than watering that plant that used to be way larger. And now you're trying oh. to water this tiny little thing. Uh, I just want to set the would you root it under twelve twelve? Sorry, sorry. Twenty four hours. Spartan would do both. I would do both. That's a good po good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do both because that, that gives you the most uh, chance at success. Because the one I that's already the got the root ball is gonna stay alive, but it might not be as easy to get it to go as the one that you root as like a know six to ten inch I, cut to, to i i think that having that gigantic root ball is an advantage over a cutting with no roots that's just my opinion of my if i'm just trying to save genetics and what's out i don't care if it's got to sit there for fucking six fucking months if it fucking in six months gives me the growth where i can take a clone off of it it's not dead <laughs> that's that's a great point and i'm just coming you know. from a smaller grow room perspective and, and taking up the smallest amount of room possible oh well, that's a good trying to make it simple yeah, as possible on myself but if like I said, if it was the unicorn of unicorns, like the medicine that cured me of my ailment that I needed to rescue for whatever the reason, uh, I would go to the ends of the earth for it. So like literally until it's harvestable or even past then. So that's my answer to that question. I think uh, everybody else is kind of nodding Tao and uh, Noah, do you have any thoughts on that one? I would do both. Like if it was in that situation that, uh, you know, it's the shit that works for your medication. And uh, yeah, because sometimes the reveg fails too. I've seen, I've seen that happen to me. Yeah, I'm thinking about. It. I rarely do it, but I've seen it happen to me once or twice. Yeah, if you don't leave enough material on the plant, or if it's like senesced so far that I don't know, maybe you know, I don't know exactly, but yeah, yeah I would very, plants committed to dying. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very popular like, popular for people to strip those leaves down below and if you're just saving what's down low and there's no leaves and it's just bud that's really hard to read that really yeah hard. that's kind of what happened no it was just buds it didn't have any it could get too bare especially because yeah. we do yeah. clean up the bottoms that's a good practice yeah. to clean up the bottoms and then you're left with like a bunch of stick with a very little you know preemie bud that is not the easiest to revenge so good point I mean, there However, when well, we say we, you should not harvest like 90%, you don't actually have to harvest the top off the plant. You could harvest like the bottom off the plant and leave some branch three quarters of the way up that's got good leaves on it or whatever. Um, I, I think that that might be something that you'd have to think long and hard about. But yeah, you definitely want to re-veg a plant that has leaves. You don't want to try to re-veg a plant that's like doesn't have leaves. Yeah. Right. Great point. Noah, do you have any thoughts there? No, I agree with all of that. 
for sure. For sure. And uh, this one is specific to Dr. MJ, and I'm sure they've probably answered it a bunch of times before. So we'll knock this one out what pretty quick, it? I'm sure. They say, how many fertigation events do you program in your cycle? What times of the day? And are all of the events the same duration slash amount? Thanks. Uh, okay. So I do have like a handy little chart for you to figure out in this in one of the articles at cocoaforcannabis.com. It's like the how to water plants in cocoa article. And it talks about fertigation frequency. <clears throat> um, all events are the same quantity. It, yeah. And basically the the theory here is we're trying to keep the the amount of of um saturation within a tight parameter um which is about you know i i run usually higher than this but anywhere from 90 to 100% saturation so when the the plant dries out or when the pod dries out to by 10% you want to water again um, and, and you can use that to figure out sort of the ideal quantity for, for, you know, your size container. A container of cocoa, when it's fully saturated, will be about 50% water. So, and that's 100%. So like in a five-gallon container, um, you know, it, it's about two and a half gallons of water. Um, and, you know, watering at 10% dryback, I think is a quart. Um, is that right? Yeah, it would be exactly a quart because there'd be 10 quarts in two and a half gallons. So if you find that, you know, when you water a quart in a five gallon pot, you should get some runoff. If you're not, then you would increase sort of the frequency would be the best thing to do. Um, but you don't need to have that big of a dryback. You can keep your cocoa between like 96 and 100% uh, saturated or 98 and 100% saturated or some growers try to keep it pretty close to 100% saturated all the time um, with higher and higher frequencies. So whenever you want to count frequencies, well, first of all, you use the chart in the How to Water Plants and Cocoa article in Cocoa for Cannabis, but if we start counting when the plant, when the lights come on, there should be an event close to when the lights come on. Um, and then if you are, have decided like, you know, I'm going to fertigate five times a day, then you would want to fertigate twice as often when the lights are on and the gap in between waterings can be twice as long when the lights are off. Um, I often get the question, I actually got the question, I was in the chat room at Cocoa for Cannabis today, and this question came up, like, does that mean that we water when the lights are off sometimes? And yes, under sort of my schedule, on a high enough frequency, under 12-12 lighting, you water sometimes when the lights are off, because you want to have that dryback be the same. Um, the dryback percentage, so when we're getting down to 90% saturation, that we're not so much concerned about the amount of water that's left, but what that means about how salty, the, the, the salinity of the water that's left behind. So the EC is going up as the water percentage of water goes down. So we want to sort of keep that balanced out. If you don't water at all under sort of a high enough frequency during the lights off period, then there's a bigger dryback. And that first event when the lights do turn on needs to be a higher amount of water 
Um, and that's just not as consistent of sort of an EC management practice throughout. But you can certainly make and that, that first fertigation has to be a higher volume of water because now you've dried out and collected yep. salts in your soil. So you're basically flushing. <laughs> well, you, you, you're, you're dry. It's not that you're collecting more like. salts necessarily. It's just that, yeah, there's a bigger water deficit than that you need to make up for because it's been, you know, the plant's been sucking out water for longer than the other, than the standard interval. And, and that's the other thing to realize that like when we're top feeding plants like that, almost all the water goes to the plant um, and the plant uses water about transpires water, not exactly. And it depends on VPD, you know, in your specific space, but it's a fairly safe rule to estimate that plants are going to use water about twice as fast when the lights are on than they are when the lights are off. Um, so you definitely can can sort of increase the, the, the duration between events when the lights are off, um, but not sort of cut it out entirely or you'll have a bigger dry back there and you'll have to make other compensations for it. It's not really the end of the world, but you, you then do have to make other compensations for it. No, no, that's probably a longer answer. And to, to the shortest answer is I usually end up fertigating my plants five times a day in flower. Um, it's a fairly easy schedule for me to set up in my program timer. If I grow- How long are the like, events? What's that? How long are each event? Oh, pretty short, um, like 24 seconds. And I play around with the number of seconds the events are. So um, it sort of depends. Each grow is a little bit different because- you know, I crank down these um, ball valves on the individual halos that run into my plants, and you never get exactly the same flow rate out of out of those halos. So I time it. That's why it's really helpful to do this with a, a digital timer that you can program events in seconds, so that you can do an event that starts at like 8 a.m. and ends at 8 a.m. and 24 seconds, <laughs> um, and then. It, you know, when you need, when the plants grow and start using more water, you can either add an event or we can just add a few seconds to each event. I always think about the overall number of seconds that the plants are getting fertigated in a day. So like five times on 20 seconds each time would be a hundred seconds. And if I decide, you know, I need to increase that, I could go to five times at 22 seconds, or I could do like six times and keep it at 20 seconds. Depends on, you know, how I want to make those changes, but there's different ways to, to skin a cat, as it were. Um, five Thank or six you. times is, is generally a good practice for most home growers to get all the benefits of high-frequency fertigation, almost regardless of container size. Thank you very much for answering that specifically. I'm sure Sal Blindberg and many others out there will be happy to have gotten the clarity on that because it's um, difficult sometimes reading guides and things like that. Some people are more auditory. Myself, personally, I'm more of an auditory person. So reading a guide could be a little bit more difficult than um, listening to somebody speak through it all. So thank you, Doc, for clarifying that. Cool. See person one. That's why we do the podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. A little bit of visual, but mostly auditory, I think, for the people out there, uh, other than just watching me smoke joints over here. And uh, Spartan Grown light up on the occasion over there. I got to get Doc in here with us uh, smoking along. But, I usually uh, drift off camera to smoke my weed. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like weed shy smoking on camera. I don't know why. It's okay. I don't know. It shouldn't be contrived. That's my opinion. You shouldn't it's be just doing because I'm it a... like 
just because like oh we gotta do it it's like just do it because you want to be natural and if you don't that's cool too it's better for the algorithm to do it off the camera i just am too lazy i guess that's true yeah (laughs) but uh that that aside we have a great question from c person one Fuck the algorithm. We, we're not. We're not. Every click an algorithm. Nobody Good forgets. We don't have. Uh, we're not sponsored. We don't go. Uh, we're not. You know. We're not even monetized on YouTube. We never are. Never yeah, but we still do want to get discovered by people, and it affects <laughs> like that basic sense of discovery on YouTube. How many people they'll show our our show to? We can still search for this channel a little bit easier than you can search for other channels too. So a lot of that, like yeah. they'll start to really step on your channel. Yeah, but when legalization drops and they pull off the censorship, maybe someday we'll get our own fucking channel, right? We'll be treated like a regular channel, which is all we really ever ask for. Exactly. But, um, right. The funny thing is when I look at the analytics, like 95 to 98% of how this show is discovered is by shared link. <laughs> People literally exactly. sending the link to each other. Uh, they can't shadow back that. That's a good yeah, we're not in the algorithm. Yeah, yeah that's digital word of mouth. Show. Come on. Yeah, and I'm. It, it's okay. Maybe I mean I, I don't want to like nuke the channel and start a, a new one to get like a fresh take at the algorithm. Uh, to me, I'm I'm happy with the group that we have. We it makes it so we actually can come together and answer questions for people like Seed Person One who says, uh, "Cheap home grow." I just transplanted from a five gallon to a ten gallon Stonington blend. How long should I veg? um in the 10 gallon before flipping personally i like at least one week if you've got the time two weeks would probably give them a little bit uh, stronger base but i wouldn't go any longer than that because when they get into flower the roots tend to take off um five to ten gallon is a pretty large step up so i'd probably lean more towards the two weeks and make sure that they're growing healthy if they weren't growing healthy when i transplanted in i'd maybe give them a little more time i definitely want to make sure that they're like vigorous and, and looking great and veg in that 10 gallon pot before i even think about putting them into flower as the final caveat and then i'll pass it to uh whoever wants to jump in next yeah i i would like to give it um it two weeks from five to ten in the way that i'm growing in my system at, at least yeah yeah i'm sure there's a lot of factors depending on the strain the uh soil how long it would take but i agree with jack if, if plant ends up like looking really happy and even if if you see roots coming out the bottom i'd say you definitely could shoot it right into flower then or you could wait depending on how big you want it or what you know the plant's going to do in flower it's one that uh you know grows a lot in flower time you might want to uh put it in a little earlier but yeah i think there's a lot of factors for that question but like mac one or uh like Purple Urkel is a really slow grower and, and not a huge stretcher, so you might want to let it veg even longer. But if it was like Blue Dream or something that, like a haze, it just grows like crazy in flower, you might not have to wait as long uh, to that point there, Tal. That's kind and, of was the point that I was going to go after was like, it's, it's not really a time thing, it's a size thing. It's like, how much size do you have to work with in flower and how, how much bolt are you expecting on these plants? And uh, it go, then it goes by, for me, that's how I always to it as it goes by my veg so it goes by the height of the plant (laughs) it's like okay generally speaking most plants if i don't know it i'm gonna expect a doubling you know so i'll take half the height that i have to play with and you know half the height that i want the plant to finally be and when it gets half that height that's why i'm flipping yeah but the earliest you could do it is when you know the plants adjusted and pretty much filled up the roots in that container at least in my opinion that you know 
Because if you do it too soon, it could be it does mess with things a little bit. You know, it could it makes I, it hard it to water or it doesn't have. Yeah, it could make a watering issue. Where and that's true. Both no. ends of that too, too soon or too late. If you get root, yeah, out, you're gonna have yep. to shock it by you're right. you know you're right. cutting the roots. I would I would caution against doing it too soon myself personally. Yeah. So it is easy to overwater like just generally, and especially if you're in too large of a pot and didn't give it enough time to let the roots sort of take over that pot. If you pull it out of the pot and the root ball doesn't stay together at all, you're probably too soon. Yeah, but if you do I that, hate like, when I do yeah, that too. Yeah, Me too. Don't be doing that. Get good, pretty much, is what uh, that's the real that. benefit of some of the transplanter pots is you can kind of check and see how well it's holding together. If you have any questions about that before you sort of like pull it all the way out of the pot and then you've gone too far. Great point. Lots of uh, good options out there. Even like fabric pot, you just cut it and bobby pin it back together or safety pin it together. Um, but they got the Velcro ones. I use the easy swap pots, but there's a whole bunch of different systems out there now that allow you to check in on the roots before you transplant, which I think is kind of like a, if you have the ability as a home grower, why not? You know, give yourself that access. It's, it's sort of like a cheat code to growing a little bit easier. You get to watch as they develop it. It literally teaches you visually as each plant grows a little bit different rate. You can see when the roots are colonizing versus when they're not and uh, how dense they're getting. And when they start to get root bound, uh, you obviously don't want to let that happen. You can trim them back, but it is a cool ability to be able to snap the pot open and just look at them and uh, snap it back shut if it's not ready. Does anybody else have thoughts for seed person one about uh, how long to grow from five gallon to 10 gallon? Or do we want to move on to Cheech B's question about her earth boxes? Send Ooh, it. That sounds right up my alley right there. Sip container. I asked her a follow-up, so I'm just going to scroll really quick to make sure I'm not missing anything. Because she said the word dirt. And then I said, like, uh, can you give me a little bit more specifics on dirt? Is it like dirt from your yard? Or is it like an old soil? And so I'm just trying to scroll Ooh, back to dirt is dead. That's a dirty word. Ooh. A lot of yeah, the organic people don't like soil. to even hear the word dirt. Soil to be living, living soil, not dead dirt. I'm still scrolling. I guess um maybe Spartan, could you read her question? I think you may have or somebody may have copied and pasted it into the Zoom chat over there. And Let while you read that, I'll go and find the follow up. I found it right here. I have had my earth boxes <clears throat> on my covered porch with dirt. I'm about to turn my, uh, what does it say, room back on. Is there anything I should do besides the norm? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, bring it in for a few days. Let it warm up. That that soil block's going to be cold as hell sitting outside. Might even be, well, it won't be frozen. It's a little bit warmer today. But get it inside. And um, whatever your IPM spray is, if, it, you know, if, I would, my go-to is uh, wettable sulfur, but whatever your IPM spray is, I would do at least a fine mist on top of that soil. The cold weather has probably been your best IPM, so I wouldn't worry too much, but hey, it's better safe than sorry. Other than that, I would say do your normal. As a note, I followed up and uh, when I asked like what dirt was, they, uh, Chicha B was just referring to their soil as dirt. So like old soil that they've been growing in. So it's like an actual soil mix that specifically had for cannabis. Left in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would Maybe like recommend a, it too. Like if, if, if you've grown something in it and you know that that soil is probably spent, I would do a reamendment at least like a broad spectrum, like a craft blend or a bio live or 
some kind of broad spectrum maybe uh even uh, tomato food yeah any yeah like Something. literally anything that has like an mpk that will get you a little bit of juice back in the soil because it's like some people kind of describe it a little bit as like a battery um when you're growing in soil and, and you got to make sure that it's it's charged up and the plants take some of that you know juice out of that soil each run and so making sure you get some of it back there and you can even run a soil test i think in michigan there's plenty of uh it's a pretty yeah. ag friendly state and I most of you. the yeah you could it's 25 bucks or something at a you know state lab get a idea of what your soil's testing at and then maybe even specifically go to reamend things that it's lacking in which okay, could she give you a great start that stuff she's got it all she says so perfect you could i was going to even recommend if you didn't have that you could even do a compost you know compost on top or or worm casting uh that would replace some of that stuff but if you've got the craft craft blend or you've got anything similar to that um craft blend bio live worm castings gypsum all that stuff should is like till it up a little or should she just throw that no, shit on top i wouldn't i would just throw it right on top you can work that into the top layer with like a cultivator or you know a little rake or whatever but i wouldn't uh i don't think there's any reason to till up the soil at all really yeah, it's just like a scratch, like the cultivator tool. It's like the three-prong uh, for anybody who's listening. It's like a little handheld gardening tool most of you are probably already aware of. And instead of tilling the entire soil, just scratching that into the top few inches and mixing it up so that the amendments that you threw on there are more evenly distributed. And when you top water, a lot of that's going to trickle down into the soil and sort of enrich what you're growing in. So It's really uh, just to break up those amendments so that they don't clump together with water like if you if you put it like a blob of amendments in one spot and then water that it's going to be a, br- a bl- or you know a big brick of mineral but you know mix it, the soil being kind of dry it mixes really good with with uh, a dry uh mineral input so mix it up in the soil then water don't do it the other way also i recommend wearing a mask when working with uh older drier soils and, and dry amendments just to prevent inhaling any of like the dusts and powders and things like that um, you'd be surprised how much can get to your nose and throat when you're working with soil. When I haven't done it, I've regretted it in the past. And a local guy here ended up passing away who was a gardener. He ended up getting like Legionnaire's disease from, I think he was like the compost flipper. Uh, but yeah, it's a thing that can happen. So good to make sure you have proper PPE when you're working with uh, things like that. I will admit, I think he was an older guy who was a little bit uh, vulnerable to things like that, but you never want to expose yourself if you don't have I to. I always wonder what's going to happen from all the recharged dust I've eaten in my day. Like, what's going to happen with that, man? It's wow. probably assimilated into you and become part of your <laughs> microbiota, you know, your yeah, gut biome. Sure. So much of the stuff is similar. Like, when you look at, like, what we eat versus what the plants eat, like, calcium, magnesium, like, all this stuff, we need it. Potassium, like, we need that, too. That is crucial for humans. And the reason we eat plants and, you know, the things that we eat, even the meat eaters eat, like, you know, cows eat grass or corn or whatever they're fed. Um, but like it all comes back to those very similar common nutrients. So there is a, not to say that we're like plants, but it, it's interesting our connection with them and the exact same nutrient mixes, you know, and a lot of the stuff. I think GGB is going to, rocket with this uh, re-amendment once you like Spartan said warm it up um, maybe throw some microbes in there too would be the last thing I would suggest if you have them or like uh, Bokashi or uh, compost is another great thing just to liven it up a little bit yeah any of that stuff 
worm castings if you don't want to do like a lot of people were into teas for a while but now i'm hearing more people that um do like what they call an extract so instead of yeah. brewing it for a long time you just take like worm castings put it in like a you know two liter bottle with water shake it up and then pour that in uh, it just essentially gets some of the goodies out there and, and makes it spread a little bit more through the soil and you can just throw the rest of this stuff right on top of the soil it was collected mrs coot one of his favorite uh, things to do is make like a slurry and then pour that out of the bucket right onto the top like a big thick layer of this you know, worm casting thick watery worm castings and just spread across the whole the whole pot that was that's like my one. earth box top i pretty much cover it um like I have the Spartan grown Riemann recipe and at the bottom I have like green stock additions and it's like add an extra layer of worm castings add a little bit extra Bokashi and uh, maybe like I suggest uh, some sort of mulch but I think you have that on your more recent update where you have like your straw or the the sticks yep. and, and stems from your old plants as like a straw or hay I don't know what it technically would be considered but as some sort of mulch now because... I'm using just the stalks of the yeah I guess it should just be the straw it would be closer to a straw I guess um just the stalks, the old stalks of the cannabis plant. So it's all returning back into the soil from whence it came. I think that it's crucial though for the soil people out there. If you're not already doing it, have some sort of covering on top of your soil, uh, a mulch layer, uh, whether it's your old stalks and stems or, you know, rice hulls or, you know, whatever it is. I, I just think any type of mulch layer, even like the plastic mulch layer on top of the earth boxes um, can be really beneficial just to. The reason keep... why is just like, we all know we've all heard the the bigger roots the bigger the fruits and it extends the usable space for your roots because if you don't have that layer on top it's just gets all that evapor water evaporation and it gets dry up there and your roots won't go up there they'll stay down they, they gotta stay where there's more moisture so by putting a mulch layer on there you're extending that's more area more nutrient that can be unlocked from those roots and they can go all the way to the top of your pot and get a bigger root ball definitely mulch i'm a big mulch fan yeah it, it kind of put me back to competitive with my cocoa grow speed and yields um by adding that mulch layer I, I wasn't having as effective of growth when i wasn't using it versus like when you grow in one medium and then you go to another medium it's pretty uh if you're honest with yourself <laughs> you can see the differences and the cocoa was kicking the shit out of my soil and just pots when i didn't have it covered with mulch layer and i didn't have a large enough pot of soil um, now that I'm in earth boxes and, and doing things right, even in like the solo cups and uh, one gallon easy swap pots, properly using a mulch layer and giving them the right amount of water. By I really am a big fan of the bottom watering, even in the earlier stages, just to prevent overwatering and allowing the evenness of the water. I think even with the saponin or like a, some sort of wetting agent, it's really tough to sometimes evenly get the water to go all the way through the soil if you're top watering it. It just sometimes wants to find that easiest path of resistance and just run right through the soil and um as much as i try to get the wetting agents in there i think that bottom watering has shown me that it just more evenly saturates and i still use a wetting agent in that case but it just the soil tends to get tends to get really well saturated through the bottom watering method so uh with that said we went a little bit over the one hour mark before i sent out the link so i'm going to go ahead and write up my little message to the chat and uh, let them know that they're going to be on zoom live on youtube and uh to use their name and everything like that so i'm going to go ahead and drop the zoom link for the chat did anyone here you had any experience with um blue Mots? uh i heard of them i'm familiar with them i haven't used them personally myself but there's a question in chat about mulch specifically and said do you mulch over top of those 
or and i was thinking man maybe just around it but now i know there's some deeper ones that okay so ones that are deeper in the soil maybe i would mulch over top of those but the ones that are near the top the shorter ones i don't know if i don't think you'd want to mulch over them but i'm not familiar that much i've never used them i don't know if anybody else has they always sound great but i've never uh got much into them i'm always worried about flooding i always see people flooding their shit with the blue mats they might work really well for a little while but the blue mat soaker tape it seems like to work a little bit better but the little carrots and everything uh, that you have to like put the water it seems like a really smart system like the physics of it like how you have it like up above and you don't have to use electrical power it's using gravity to use the gravity feed and whatever and drip out based on and it's really interesting when you do dial it in because it i learned something about growing like m bar is a measurement of dampness in the soil and they use that to uh tell when and you can set between like 103 and 105 and bar or like 80 and 90 or whatever it is and so people really like to dial it in and figure out what works best for their plant and uh it gives people a, a, something that they can measure and i think when you measure something you can improve it um and so i have seen some people really like them but i've, I've seen pretty much every single person i know who grows with them has flooded their thing at one point and i'm not sure if it's on the blue mat or on the person but it seems like if that many people have had it happen to them i think that blue mat maybe needs to figure out like a safety to prevent the flooding of their grow room or the plants because that's a, a big bummer when that happens but that's yeah, something i would do out in my vegetable garden but maybe not chance it in my house i'm just not familiar with it i'm sure like anything you can learn them and never have an issue you know what i mean there might be a learning curve but once you learn it it might be super awesome but you know, what's interesting is uh, Adam from 2020 Mendocino, who grows out here in the commercial market, um, he like cool. had a, um, it wasn't a blue mat, but I think it was called like a hydro mat or something. It was a bottom watering mat where they were using like flower beds and they had these basically mats underneath the beds Autopot and they wick up. Who is it? Autopot makes one of those. It's a wicking mat. Okay. So it's similar. It wasn't Autopot. It was a different brand, but the idea you know same concept the bed basically sat on top of a wicking mat and um from there it would you know wick up and they did a side-by-side -side grow and in the california market you know they have to send everything off to lab testing they have to weigh everything up and i think they said they got like 10 15 maybe 20 percent more yield and a little bit higher testing on the side that was being bottom watered and uh so to me, it showed, at least in their setup, it was better than their other method. I can't remember what the other method was, cool. whether it was hand-watered, top-watered, or whatever it was. But I tried to find that post on his Instagram, and I couldn't find it. I scrolled back. There. He has like hundreds, maybe thousands of posts. And I looked, and I looked, and I looked. Last time we talked about this, and I couldn't find it. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a bummer. But we've got Haas Farms, who's about to jump in. So I'm going to go ahead oh, and admit cool. them. Haas Farms, man. Anybody who joins, heads up. You're going to be muted when you come in. So you'll have to unmute yourself. He can't hear us yet. He's still just connecting his audio or their audio. I'm not sure if Haas Farms is a he or she or they. I never want to, you know, miss, uh, you know, label anybody. But Haas Farms is going to be joining us here soon, but they will be on mute just like anybody else who joins. When you're joining, you'll be muted. So you have to unmute yourself to go ahead and introduce yourself. So Haas Farms, welcome in. How are you doing tonight? Just make sure to hit unmute before you go ahead and start talking. They might still be getting set up as well. So, oh, we lost them. Haas Farms out. Well, if anybody else would like to join, the pinned message in the chat is to our Zoom call. And 
otherwise we can answer more questions if you guys would like to um it says more yield but what about cannabinoid content rusty nails um they had higher cannabinoid content in the auto like the bottom mat water section it was just like a general overall improvement in both things both the yield and the cannabinoid content which i've seen in a couple of experiments which i think just generally shows whatever was being done i don't think that it's necessarily just the one element it's really really hard to uh, isolate things down to one element but i think you could generally say that the plants in the one condition um were better taken care of they were the cultivation practice everything generally they the thing we, they reached a higher potential to, the thing we need to mention i think with top feed bottom feed is if you're watering i agree with you jack i think bottom feeding for watering is really an efficient way to grow plants and there's a lot of benefits to it but if you're fertigating I, I think it's pretty dangerous to bottom feed and there's still systems out there popular ones that are recommending sort of fertigating in a bottom feed system and that definitely leads to salt buildup in the upper layers of of the media um so it depends on how you're fertilizing again, as a lot of things do, but for amended grows, um, I think bottom feeding is, is spot on. If you're fertigating, I have great hesitations about bottom feeding. That's great advice because I've seen a lot of auto pot users who try to fertigate and the auto pot doesn't tend to like to work. I've seen people who've made it work. So if you go really low EC and you make sure they, that you're not ever letting it dry out, you can get it to work, but I just don't think it's as ideal as like what Dr. MJ is doing with the halo, where you're just constantly able to kind of shower that medium with an appropriate EC and flush it down to the level that's going to make the plant happy. Um, the autopots definitely, they can work, but with, uh, fertigation, I think you can run into that EC buildup and with, um, an amended soil, especially with like the earth box, I've kind of heard people refer to the top as like the f feeder roots where you could pack it. You could, like, especially if you're noticing the plant starts to get hungry, you can literally just pack more earthworm castings or amendments on that top layer. And it's always got access to f like clean, fresh, unfertigated water at the bottom. So it's got a mix of both. Like some of the roots at the top have access to the rich soil and then the stuff at the bottom has access to just clean water. And there's right. even a little air gap in between essentially because uh, as they drink that water, it goes down until it's completely dry, and then I refresh it. So there's a little air window in between. Uh, so it's it tends to work really well. I, I, don't, I don't question <laughs> when the plants grow well and are happy and yield excellently. So with that said, Chicha B has joined us. Chicha asked some great questions earlier about their earth box, and uh, welcome in, Chicha. Cheers, guys. How are we doing? How are good, all good. of you guys? What's up, oh, Cheech? Wow. I'm well medicated. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good playing with my dog. But yeah. So, so do you have craft blend at home or a bio live or some kind of dry nutrient you can add to those? Uh, um yes, I have Dr. Earth. I have oh, cool. the, yeah, I have worm castings, I have other nutrient samples so, from you know just events that I've been to. So perfect. You're all set then. You got everything you need. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, know that when I stopped growing, I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just set them outside. So they've technically been outside all summer, but mostly all the whole winter, too. So that winter had to kill off a lot of it. What was yeah. the, the benefit, soil? though? Because you could, might have a bunch of overwintered natural microbes now that are acclimated to your, you know, environment, right? So right. they might be badass. So yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. 
Yeah. Um, I did ask another question. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the vent that exhausts out to like, you know, the outside. Well, I took the fan out of my tent and when I turned it on, I was like, that zero pressure is not what it used to be. I mean, does it not, I don't know, I guess like before it was like, I don't know, that zero pressure, it like caved in the walls almost, you know what You I might mean? need to clean your fan. You might need to take it apart. I cleaned it all. I cleaned it all. So... Holds it at. Huh? You think the fans lost suction, or do you think that the tent has become leakier? Well, see, okay, so the way I have it exhaust out, it, so I have it in my room, and then my bathroom is right next to my room, and the cabinets are right up against where the tent is. So the exhaust pipe goes all the way through, and then just magically, there happened to be a hole, big, perfect size, so it exhausts right out underneath through the floor. So you don't even know it's there. Like, you don't know I'm growing unless I literally open the closet door right. and say, here it is. So when I started to, like, get my room going, I moved some stuff out, and I noticed there was a hole in the that pipe in the cabinet or in the cupboard or whatever. And then I kept on looking and there's a lot of them. So I'm just going to replace it. But with that being said, I just turned it on to see. Yeah, I think it's that. But is there a difference when you take the fan out? You mean outside of the tent versus being inside the tent? No, the, the, the fans are actually slightly more efficient pushing the air than they are pulling the air. But really, like, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. So whether right. the tent, whether the fan, the inline fan is pushing or pulling, it's going to do almost the, the same sort of yeah. amount of work. My fan is on top of my tent, which drops right. a hose in, which connects to the carbon filter, which is sitting inside of the tent, like yeah, which is sleeved off. And it works just fine. I mean, See, I, I, the only thing years, that I have in my tent power. is the intake for the the air. Then it goes to the tent or the fan, which sits on top of the tent and then out through the carbon filter. So there's nothing basically inside the tent, just like sort of a hole where air gets sucked. Right. I thought about taking both of them, like the the, uh, carbon filter out too, and just have something like a little tube down in the tent just because of space. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what I I basically do. And they both work. The carbon filters can work by being pulled through or pushed through. And the inline fans will work very well being pulled through or pushed through. I want to give a second to welcome Hemp with GG, who's showing off their tent right here. And uh, it's looking pretty stacked. You got a, a whole bunch of plants packed in there. The uh, canopy is looking pretty even. I know you really got it nice and flat before flip. It looks like the strains being different strains. Some of them want to get a little bit higher. I know you're you're uh, giving us the shaky hand there, but that's uh, it happens so when you grow multiple strains. Always. Yes, I'm definitely uh, OCD about the flatness, so that bothers me. But I do like the fact <laughs> that she didn't branch off much. She really stayed together, even with some of that uh, bolting action. Right. Yeah, that thing's nugged up all the way down. I mean, every couple inches, there's beautiful buds. This is a beautiful. Oh man, this this is going to yield very, very well. This tent. Yeah, good. Yeah, what are, where day are we after flip here? Uh, these are. It'll be. 
six weeks yesterday. Okay. I'm chopping the 21st, but the problem is that there's different strains in here, like you mentioned. And in the sense, the back left and back right strain are, they're not aging at all because they're 10 week flowers and these are seven to eight. So definitely going to be some, uh, different this is the gold. but the good thing is I do have another tent, which has this, they were all vegged in this tent. This has three of those older strains as well that are not as aged. Damn, looking good, Ample GG. Indeed. So the ideal is to take these three that are the older, longer flower period, put them in with these two longer flower periods, and then dry all the finished stuff over here in the 4x4 four four while okay. everything finishes out. Nice, gotcha. I like it. Make it yeah. work, man. These are Acapulco Golds and Dosi. Yeah, I'm excited. Hey, you should shout out. Uh, nice. You should shout out your channel, man. He just had me on his channel. It was a it was a really cool show. I really enjoyed myself over there. I think people yeah. should check you out on YouTube. Yeah, uh, and put GG on YouTube. Or you can find me over on Coco for Cannabis as well. Part of the New York New Year's uh, Road Challenge, and of course you can find me on Instagram. I appreciate you coming up again, Spartan. No problem, man. It was it was a fun time. Good talk. It's great having you tonight, man. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, and I want to welcome in the dog doctor. Nope. Good love, everybody. That Thank is you for a having me. Plant, a tent full of vegging plants. Boy, howdy. What's up, buddy? Let's, what's that? Uh, how's the freak show looking, man? He's looking great. I just great. saw her yesterday, but I want to see her again. <laughs> okay. Super freak. I was taking some whiffs. I was yeah, taking some whiffs from them. What? Look at that. Thing, that thing is crazy. I need to get some I of them super freaks. But it's here. Like this, it's probably better contrast. She's beautiful. I can go there wow. straight away. Wow. What are we looking at in this veg tent? What do we just see oh, there? Sorry. Here it's the my run cut. And back there it's the ice. The Amsterdam Amazia ice. This is like day five or six flowers. And uh, yeah. Are they gonna cool. stay in there throughout the flowering period? Sure, yes, sir. You're gonna clean it up, I'm imagining in a little oh, bit. Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm gonna clean it up. I'm just yeah, this. it's already really dense for having just flipped. Wow. Okay. No, you know me. I like them. You full. gotta pack it out, Doc. I pack it out. And yeah. then uh, in a week here or so, a week and a half, so I will clean it up and take uh, what, what what I don't like it. The this dog way, doctor can never have enough plants. I don't know. I kinda use He's a lot the plant of medicine. Doctor. <laughs> I kinda consume a lot of medicine. Never enough. And now that I'm pressing it, I think that I feel that you will go faster. Don't ask me why. I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a conundrum. It's more potent, but you can end up blowing through it. It gets your tolerance up, maybe. And I also yeah, think you're so... losing something when you press. Even if it's like flower rosin, you're you're squeezing something out of it. Am I showing anything? I'm seeing a top yeah. bud going over <laughs> through the lights. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that's oh, the... you can bend that down though. I, I I would I would encourage you to try, but yeah, yes. it's hysterical. That's I love it up there. <laughs> the I just a uh, cheap home grow hack had a plant that was getting a little too close to the light and it was getting that kind of like white, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sunburn. Um, so I pulled that one like more towards the center because i have two i have cob grow light set up still and it was kind of directly underneath one of them at the, one of the more intense points of light so i pulled it into another cola and i had like a yellow highlighter just sitting behind me i have like a little cup full of pens and pencils 
and I clipped the highlighter to one of the branches and then I slid it down so that the little X it made just kind of stayed in place. And I, I didn't have a little garden tie, but uh, you know, cheap home grow as you uh, you don't need the uh, perfect implement every time. You can make it work <laughs> with with what you have around. And those always kind of make me laugh because uh, sometimes people want that like perfect tool and element or whatever they see on Instagram, the flashiest new thing. But uh, there's you can no perfect make a lot work with life. you know the shoestring budget. This this are the, is the testers, the fast word testers. But uh, going back to the perfect, I don't think there's no. anything perfect in life. <laughs> so one needs to adapt to whatever conditions one have and use whatever tools you have. It's like a car. It's not so much the driver. The the car is more of the driver. Why do you want a big Lamborghini if you don't know how to drive? Hey, I'll I'll, I'll take the Lambo and you could drive in the Yugo and uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Go. Okay. The Yugo from Yugoslavia. The Yugo. <laughs> Put it in H. Class, man. It's like a car that came out in the late '80s, I think. So it's it's a Simpsons joke, I guess. Uh, it's an old old reference, but yeah, the Yugo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, here's my spinach. Oh man, the freak show. Here it is, super freak. Yeah. Super I love freak, that, man. Damn, it's like a, it's like a that's giant so cool like, though. That's beautiful, man. If you guys grow marigolds, that's what that reminds me of, man. It reminds me of like, the early veg of a marigold. <laughs> yeah. Free flower marigold. This is bizarre, man. I, I like know like it's I know what it is, but it's just... it just doesn't look like canvas at all. Especially no. from a zoomed back. Like when you look at it from way up at the top where he was. No, from like here? He, even when you're getting yeah, close to it, little... it looks like broccoli, man. It just doesn't look like canvas. Yeah, like, it's so bizarre. Like bonsai it looks something. like kale. Kale. To me, it reminds me of kale. Yeah. Don't ask me why, why. What's the flower like from it? I have no idea. It's the first time I'm growing it. It makes so... regular looking, not regular looking buds, but like the flower, the leaves still kind of look like that. The flowers are a little bit open, but it does make good smoke. I mean, I've smoked it's... not the uh, this particular super freak, but I've had some freak show that was really fire. I'm really hoping that she's a keeper because she's so unique and beautiful that I kind of want to keep it just for the looks. But if she... If she's not good medicine, she's not staying. But that's the thing. You get a Spartan kick if it ain't good. You can't be like Tao growing that plant for two years and uh, <laughs> letting it just die and get nothing out of it. Dude, I don't care if she's ugly as fuck as long as she's good medicine. Dude, it's all about the medicine for me. That's what and how long has this one been growing? Is it a slower vegger? I don't know, man. This might be a weird trim. I wonder what the sugar leaves are going to look like if they're going to have that <laughs> kind of morphology. <laughs> this looks so interesting, I have to admit. Yeah, like take forever. I kind of like how dense it is, but I feel like my IPM mind is going. I don't want to talk Old over it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> dude, I didn't think of that too. But the thing is, like at the same time, oh, I think man, it is. Got a lot of airflow. Hard to get it. coverage. Hard to get coverage Very on this hard. plant. Very hard. Oh yeah, I didn't... that's yeah, true. Instead of like but... one single blade, it's like a billion blades. A billion blades. It's it, <laughs> leaf. It's leaf. It's like the leaf. It's a part. She doesn't get connected on the. It's a leaflet. It's like a pineite. Pineit. Yeah, I mean, if more you like a, almost it, like a if fern. It's like a, a whole well, like leaf. The leaf morphology, like but you know? yeah. They I call it, um they call There's it pineate something or other. Yeah, I'm forgetting the the full phrase, but yeah. Oh, cool. it's, I, it's I really, plant. really hope she's yeah. good. Freak is an appropriate term for this one because it, it definitely doesn't look anything like what most of us are growing. <laughs> <laughs> Even the ABC is like a little bit more normal looking, I would say. It, it, it's yeah. not normal, but it definitely doesn't look I, like this. I love that each finger 
it's like many, 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 many leaves on it. But IPMing this, I didn't thought about it. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> well, that's okay, yeah. though. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> I think it's actually guess. resistant. I've seen a lot of people grow it outdoor, uh, greenhouse, and uh, full sun. So, I mean, if you can make it happen outdoor, you can make it happen indoor, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Oops. And at last, this little thing over here. The big old spear. I wonder if it's like more, I know that we're not looking at that plant from before, but I wonder if there's like, I I would love to see physiologically if there's like more surface area per branch or so. I don't know. Like that might not be the correct metric, but I'd love to like see a comparison. It'd be very interesting. Oh, would it be definitely going to be more leaf edge area or more edge area linear dimension or whatever. I don't know. Is that desirable? That's the real question. But could that harvest more light from every angle because of that? Yeah, I've heard the know. tips are like the more poisonous part to the pests. Like they can Usually, put out like hydrogen peroxide or whatever in there that basically like makes them not uh, enjoyable for things that want to eat them. Yeah, I really tell that to a fucking tell that to the rabbits, tell that to the <laughs> fucking deer. It's cumulative. Usually, those effects are usually cumulative. Um, at least she for a pest like, that's even moderately adapted, but yeah. She, she tastes like lime. Usually, that's interesting. Usually a broader leaf lime. is more efficient lime. than yeah. a smaller leaf, I believe. She's tasting like lime. Like Have y'all ever had lime tree leaves? They make yeah. these things called finger limes. They blew me away. It looks good. like little caviar almost. And you like squeeze out these almost like gel like little ball and it's it's lime that's the weirdest thing lime like leaves is pretty fascinating i just want to emphasize that that's pretty cool like if that's yummy freak show has a crazy wide profile like it can be grapey it can be limey it can be piney like i've heard lots and lots of different flavors coming out of these plants it's like all over the board it'll be cool for your salads and stuff just throw a couple yeah i'm loving i've started (laughs) eating raw cannabis as much as i can i I keep a little tupperware and i eat all my de-leafed leaves that are not like dead or dying uh, like the healthy d leaf stuff i'll eat that as much as possible and i notice i have a back pain from a car accident a few years ago and when i eat a large volume of cannabis leaf throughout the day i feel significantly lower pain even with like regular cannabis use rso everything else i think the minor cannabinoids and everything else in there are great for inflammation and pain relief and things like that hey dog doctor yummy sorry yes sir uh, what about Bob brings up an interesting or brought up an interesting point uh, that black large poster that you got on the right wall there of your tent um, the, oh. the previous tent sorry even that one let's see that one it's a photon drinker yeah, yeah that's a good oh, point well, is it hot touch the is black part heater? of that yeah that should be hotter no, 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 yeah no i can't uh, point to where is my thermometer it's definitely machine. eating photons it, it's and it's just definitely going to be lowering the ppfd that you would have gotten on that plan if it hadn't been there in that sort of critical space between light and canopy where reflectivity is so important um Fair enough. i understand that reflectivity is often at odds with you know sort of our desires as as online influencers or, or you know our ig photos or whatever else but um yeah that's a pretty big black poster to be putting on, on how much i, I <laughs> not to put you on the spot but i'm curious what like 
I know it's hard to quantify. We're but what talking do you think? 100 to 200 PPFD losses. I've seen testing. Migro wow. has done testing wow. with mirrors. More than you he's think. Done testing yeah. with, That's he's why done I testing asked. with Mylar versus Diamond Mylar. The best thing in the grow tent world industry is look at the left side of his tent. Go back to that okay. tent, dog doctor. Go back and, just, and then just pan to your left side. That yeah. wall, that silver wall, that mylar, that stuff is the that side best. does look healthier. It, it does is, look a little bit bigger. It's just it's it's better. It's it's the best quality. The reason they make grow tents out of mylar is because it reflects really yes. well and it's it does its job amazingly. Like, you can clean. absolutely measure that. I should do this as a video too. I've thought about doing it, like putting a little sticker uh-huh. on the wall and seeing how much that affects light. Because it definitely affects the light most where it's closest to, but it'll affect light throughout the entire grow space. I can measure in lux, not in PPFD because I use my phone for that. Right, but you're not gonna, but, you don't have really a good comparison for that anyways. I don't know, no, no. I can compare the, the left side with the right side. That's what I was saying. So, on the right side, you would need to really close the door that's open and not be inside in order to get a good number. But let's see what it says, anyways. In the high 1900s, 1950. Let's keep the same high. Yep. Over 2000, 2300. (laughs) 2200. <laughs> I just I, what did I, I said before we even saw it, and then yeah, you, you called like, it, uh, Jack. It'd be even worse with yeah, the with the yeah, tent yeah. closed. It is significant. Dude. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely significant. Um, and yet, with, and yet the with walls, that handicap, adjusting, doing almost anything to the walls really changes the test results that I measure a lot. Um, and it's having stuff point. up there to make sure it's reflective as possible and small. I think the big Aptis black poster to go on the outside of your tent not on the inside yeah i'm gonna i want to that. say that uh <laughs> despite that handicap he has grown some monsters oh absolutely absolutely so, absolutely he's overcame <laughs> it we're just fine tuning we're just fine tuning this is great refinement this is great refinement comment from the chat the chat pointed that out and we we literally had a live demonstration of how important stuff like that oh, yeah. is yeah yeah, it's absolutely. To, we, to, what about Bob out there? Thanks. Well, for and you could even say to Aptis, yeah. say, send me a, a mylar sticker, or send no, me a mylar something that will be reflective, or even a white one. That's. I'm going white. to talk with them and and uh, explain exactly. That. Actually, I send them the link. You normally see the shows when uh, when I come in, and um, you will see the difference. So he probably will think of that for the next uh, banners he sends to yeah. whatever he's sending. It looks cool, especially if they want to occupy that space in your tent. I mean, that's just really that's performance space. That's where the tent sort of does its work. Their their plants will look better. Your plants will look better grown with their nutrients if they, you know, set you up with a more ideal situation. But I want to welcome in Oki Grower, who has joined us as well. I'm going to give them the spotlight for a little bit. Cheers, Oki. How's it going, guys? Let me pull my uh, phone case off here. Cheers. If you turn it to the side, it goes up and down. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Much better. Looks great. Lots of plants. I remember there was some New England rock candy or something in this tent, if I'm remembering correctly. It's on the one Close. side. There's a giant one oh, and then a little shit. one. Yeah, Damn. that's the uh, yeah. Hindu root beer. Hindu root beer. I knew it was one of Kyle's creations. Yeah, and it's all what happened to plants? They're growing so much. Lately. Oh my dude, earth boxes or, or uh-huh. city pickers <laughs> crushing. Yep, city pickers. Oh, yeah. Two plants per. Got three in this one. That's an amazing job, buddy. Ugh. Bottomless pot deal. 
Works I real good. So much. I love how easy you're making it on yourself and you're still getting great results. That's like one of my favorite oh, things. Oh, yeah. I have to try that. Mine too. Pretty good. Got some that just looks cool. There. I gotta say, I, I like the way you sort of pulled that off. I was kind of worried about it, thinking that they'd run out of food too quick. So I've been using that uh, the smart carbon from Brandon Rust. Yeah, I love that shit. The Earthworks, and it's just been doing. I haven't had any problems. I've only used. I used it twice in veg, and twice in transition, and then twice in flower. Nice. Oh, yeah, man. Nice. In here with this light. I usually only give them once, but I got a lot smaller plants than what you got. <laughs> yeah. Listen. And then they got the little shorty back here in the corner. <laughs> I wish this one would have been in the front. It would have been easier to. How are those Hindu root beer smelling? Uh, what's the giant one smell like and what's the tiny one smell like? I can't even reach the tiny one, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Getting uh, tell you that. Go down uh, low. It the other day. It's, it's seven foot. Seven foot plant inside. I gotta do hats off, man. Anything what even six foot plant meters. inside is that's impressive. Uh, it's thirty meters. You know, meter eighteen the light all the way as far as it would go. It's almost two meters. What? Yeah, a meter eight or something like this. That's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. You have one eighty-five or no? Big plants. You could use a little bit more light, probably, but uh, yeah. Seven yeah, feet got, is like uh, see, two meters. This, exactly. I got this off your recommendation here. Okay. Or two meters, I think. Is that that looks like a P series? Yeah, it's the two point oh six series or two point fifteen hundred. That looks like a okay. Is that a like Mars Hydro clone? Uh, kind of. Yeah, it's a lamp soul, pretty much just like it. It's a hundred fifty watt too. Okay. And I've got the Spider Farmer 100 and the HLG 100. So, total of like 500 watts in there? Yeah, just about. Yeah. What's the square footage of that space? Four by five. Uh, I mean, that's not terrible, but you got big plants. I mean, they could certainly, <laughs> you're, you're filling in the space pretty well. He started with yeah. one light, Doc. Okay. He's just building it as it goes. Yeah, just, yeah. Just adding on, on, adding on. He could probably do yeah, one more smart. of those lights pretty safely and put it somewhere in the put middle. In the middle and, and you'd or be, something? You'd be yeah. close to it. To are hanging. <laughs> I need to mount those to the ceiling. Yeah, the, the cable management, yeah. maybe you could step up your cable management game a little bit. but <laughs> Yeah, just well, a little can... bit. <laughs> I would uh, I would recommend to save up uh, save up and get one big light, and then you could use those to supplement if you want to. But that one big light is going to be intense enough to maybe stop some of the stretch. You know, I think this this height is a little bit of a extra bolt yeah. just because of the low intensity of the light. I agree. I yeah, think HLT you just need one more light. I think you it would be easiest to run with one big light, but I agree, Spartan. I think I also think you could just add another little light. It makes it a little bit harder to run a light with uh, grow with five lights as opposed to one. But I, I think agree if you, you need more. have any buddies in uh, Oklahoma or, or anywhere that is willing to uh, get you know a lightly used grow light at a discount, you could sell some of those lights to a friend who's going to get into growing or already growing, and then use that as some of your either down payment or cover the entire cost of getting yourself a light that'll cover this entire space. And um, Black Friday is usually the time to do it, but I know Doc's got some discount codes for some really affordable lights that cover a 
four by five or five by five pretty well second best time well it depends not everybody does 420 sales but 420 sales are pretty good deals usually for manufacturers that run them if you can sort of like wait around for sales but um yeah there's there's lots of different ways to to sort of approach this um you know i'm going to be doing a couple giveaways here soon you can always win one of the ones that we're giving away too we're giving away a a fold eight right now in the grower love giveaway and our deals and discounts page so that'd be perfect for that space yeah is that the metagrow yeah and then you can run one or two of those five by four (laughs) right so like 20 square feet yeah that'd be perfect yeah no five by four is also a little tough because a lot of it is either either made for a five by five or a four by four so, but yeah. there are a couple that will. Yeah, the I would get one of the five by five lights and run it with the the bars parallel to the sort of going across the the four foot dimension and you know parallel to the longer dimension, um, yeah. or perpendicular rather to the five foot dimension. Um, there's not a wall or anything to full power, right? but you may have to dim it down a little bit for one of like the seven hundred watt lights. Okay, is there like if you back up right now, there's not like a frame that's blocking this in, is there? Or it's my closet. Oh, okay. So it's actually okay. <laughs> like a walk-in so have closet. To... Yeah. I'll put okay, the other thing that I just saw. Get mylar, get a mylar <laughs> roll and use that for like the hanging fabric door and put that in as many other places as you can. That'll really help the lighting too. Yeah, that's um, like, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, I've got this plastic stuff up here. Get what the mylar. It's not that Mylar's much more money. And it, it's really, you can get like a big roll, like three and a half uh, or three foot long roll um, or wide roll rather of the diamond pattern mylar on Amazon or, I, I, you know, I might sell it in grow shops, but it's definitely available on Amazon. It's not that expensive. And you, for the you diamond. find a lot of spaces, a lot of places to use that in your closet there. The diamond is so is much better diamond? than the flat. The flat stuff creates hotspots. Yeah. Yep. The diamond really makes a huge okay. difference. It, it, yep. it evenly distributes. That is like the yeah, definitely look at that. golden standard, I would say, of reflectivity for growing is diamond uh, type pattern yeah. mylar. I got one of those rolls to make the test area that you guys have all probably seen in my videos where I test lights. Um, the, yeah. Those walls are made with just a roll of that mylar, you know, wrapped across uh, foam board, actually. Some people like panda film. What's the difference in panda film and mylar? Panda film's not as reflective. It's a little bit better. People, it's a bigger piece sometimes, so you can do more with it. And it, they think it's better for blocking out the light. But the mylar that I use is going to block 100% of the light anyways. It's thick enough. So um, I don't think there's much of an advantage for the panda film. Panda film is the eco, like like the budget option. Orca. Yeah is like the high quality option orca film is it's a higher like gloss white or whatever it is like it is a higher reflectivity level of it's actually matte so it's weird as hell but yeah oh it's matte okay so yeah what i, I was totally wrong on the gloss but the idea that orca is more significantly more reflective which is good because Panda. then it, the matte finish acts almost like what you're talking about with the diamonds where the spread of the light is way i better. saw tents start using that's why gloss is matte white for a while why but, not paint the room white? Is there a difference between oh, like having a, a room? White. 
Yep, flat white, not gloss. But if you do flat white, that's pretty. That's like ninety percent reflectivity. It's There's a special good. white paint for reflection that even reflects over a hundred percent. They say I don't know. It's or you can do the that. Whites. Uh, you, you can't go over a hundred percent. Exactly. Well, produces white. I don't that's know why you they got to contact that, NASA if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I want to put a solar panel on that. Created a perpetual motion machine and it's not worth the expense of that white white paint though. There's like a super white and there's like a super black, like an artist in India. Has like a like, paint on this like, black. You mean Vanta black? Vanta, yeah. And, but there's yeah. also like a super pink or whatever. The, the, the pink is pink, the black is black, and I'm sure there is a version of that, the whitest white. And I don't think that it would be worth the extra little percentage when mylar is available or even just the white is good enough. It's in that high, high 90s percent. But a black poster with a you know color oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. diagram or whatever, that's a, a different that's uh, standard. the other way. And with that said, it's it's that time where we let Spartan Grown give his final thoughts and shout out because he's got some dogs to take care of and refill the trays and get ready for that Michigan Bros Grow Show. It's Jack. Thanks, guys. It was awesome hanging. I love all the people that jumped on this time. It was super cool. Um, shout out to Chad. I see some new faces in there, some old faces in there. Both cool. Um, I just uh, am excited. I don't know. I feel recharged or whatever about the, the community, the community of uh, people just getting together sharing ideas and uh getting past ego it's refreshing uh it's, it's what was needed in this industry and uh i think that uh i just applaud everybody that's a part of it and uh, i think what we can do instead of focusing on the bad things sometimes we should focus on the good things and uh and just give us all self uh, a pat on the back for the things we're doing right so uh just lead by example right so i think shout out to this yeah, I'll leave it at that yeah. and just say keep on growing. And I've got one more podcast to do here. I'll <laughs> jump over to Mr. Bros Grow Show and I'll be there till 11 o'clock tonight. So I'll see you guys there in about 15 minutes. Peace out, Spartan. Thank you, Spartan. Always a pleasure. The can of marathon, man. Thanks for the advice. The man is going everywhere. First love. It's it's good. It's important that he gets out there on all the platforms, on all the different channels, because uh, he's got you know good information to spread yeah. and uh, a lot of positive. I, I really do agree with him. So often I see within any community, literally pick a community, whether it's like gaming, growing, anything. You'll find like oh Xbox versus PlayStation or PC versus console, <laughs> and it's like <clears throat> it's just entertainment. We're all having fun. Like why even go head to head with people and get in arguments and. and comments it's like cocoa versus soil organic versus synthetic blah 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 blah. it's like because we're all just growing cannabis let's fight together <laughs> all I mean, wrong. we all want to feel right at the end of the day but at, at really the the main thing that matters is that we all can continue to keep our right to grow if we have it and if you don't have the right to grow uh working to get your state country city wherever you're at uh, to be in a place where you can legally grow like many of us can and not have to worry about the stress of your door being kicked in by the police. And for so long, many of us and, and still many out there, I mean, Dog Doctor is one example having to come on with a mask on and where he's at. It's not. Sorry, guys. It's no, we, hey, we wouldn't want you to come on and endanger your know, safety. I, I think that you're doing a good example of showing that you should stay anonymous if you're in that kind of place. And I, I think that it's a security issue and it's unfortunate, but it is the way of the world. And we can't just pretend like uh, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Like if you expose your identity in, in that situation, it is a risk. So we appreciate that you're able to come on and chat and have fun with us and show off the garden and uh, not have to put yourself at as much of a risk by doing things like that so it's always a pleasure to have you and i think that you're 
one of the many examples of people out there who's I think on the right side of history, but the wrong side of the law, unfortunately, where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so we appreciate you, Dog Doctor. You, you really, uh, okay. it, it can't be understated how much people like yourselves are, you know, having to risk um, their livelihoods, essentially, just for, you know, a plant that many of us really enjoy as medicine. So it's um, great that many places are changing their perspective. And it's a plant, is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plant. It's Speaking changing. of plants, you had a very stretchy bolt plant, and we had a question uh, right before we kind of let everybody jump in. And if they're still here, WV Grower says at Cheap Home Grow, what's your methods for slowing down stretch slash bolting in the first few weeks? And I know Dr. MJ always cringes at this. Like that's why we're the stretch, calling it the it. bolt now. That's like one of the main <laughs> reasons that I want to call it the bolt is so people stop trying to crush its dreams. But that's okay. If if you need to next time, just flip sooner. Like, is, <laughs> if he's what? Mine. He, he Doc is saying okay, heard, the the bolt I've or the stretch is beneficial. You want to use it to your advantage, is what Doc is kind of saying. And right. a lot of people are having this fight against it because maybe they don't have enough grow space, or maybe they flip too late, and so right. they're like, "Oh, why do these plants grow so much?" But that's like never a thing farmers or growers say. They're always like, "Oh, yes, my plants are growing so much. Like that's a great right. thing." They don't and want to stretching properly. There's a thing that plants do called stretching, and you can get your seedlings to stretch if you don't give them enough light. We were a little bit worried about the the um, whose plants was it that was just on that didn't maybe not have enough light. Um, oh, that was Oki Grower, right? Um, that's a kind of stretch where the plants actually sort of literally stretching. If you give the plants too much far red, you can get them to stretch like that too. That's different than what plants do when they're bolting, when they enter reproductive growth and they go through this period of really vigorous growth, not stretch, but growth. And calling it a stretch makes growers think that it's this like bad thing that like, you know, seedlings do when they don't get enough light. And like, I should try to make it stop doing that. Well, listen, but, Doc, let me give you probably what I think is happening. Yeah. It. People are looking at their plants and they're going, I'd rather have buds where that stem is right now. So but it's not that it's, it's just growing longer stems, Tao. That's that's why why this no, stretch that, word is the wrong the idea. That's the you idea, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the wrong idea. Now, secondly, though, let me rephrase the question with for your brain, Doc. Is there a way to create a, an environment where the bolt isn't as pronounced as it usually is? Why would you want to do that? Because of what I just said, or during that bolting, the, the plant is going to be putting on buds as well as stem. It's not just putting on extra stem. That's what you that's what you would think by calling it the stretch. But it's actually just putting on nodes really fast. And you can count that the, how long it takes your plants to add nodes. This is a good thing for growers to become familiar with both like, you know, we, we know it all like when we first start growing, it's like, okay, it's it's three days to the first node to the second node or whatever. But how long then can you get your plant to grow two nodes in a day in a 24 hour period? Sure. During the bolt, you can get your plants to grow two nodes during a 24 hour period. So it's not like waiting, you know, several days. Right. It's growing in both nodes. ways. And, yeah. and that's what we want. So if you want right, fewer but, nodes, flip earlier. 
but, but don't try to suppress the bolt. There's no reason to suppress the bolt. It's good growth. Grow right, less and veg. Uh, that would be a good experiment. If you uh, top right before you stick it into flour, or if you give it an extended dark period, I've heard stories that giving it uh, 48 hours of total darkness before they flipped it created less bolting. <laughs> That's Kyle. Why would you do that? Okay, you know why? Because you're screwing with the plant. You're, you're screwing with the plant to the point that the plant is now like in panic. You just stressed it out to the to the ends of the earth by going 48 hours in the dark. And you are probably going to screw it up so much that it's going to lose out on some of that healthy, vigorous growth that you would have otherwise gotten. So no, I'll never recommend. I think that's a terrible idea. I don't think we should try to go. stress out our plants to prevent them from doing their healthy reproductive growth. That thinks it was dying. Healthy reproductive growth. I think it was. I think the plant thinks it was dying. When you put it in a forty-eight hour darkness, the plant literally for seventy-two hours. Some of them will just die. So like it it is close. It is close to killing the plant. Like I know people who've killed Kyle himself, who recommended this. He has killed plants doing it. Seventy-two hour darkness, forty-eight hour darkness, because they don't like being in the dark for that long. Especially you guys never had kids that were misbehaving. I'm joking. (laughs) I'll say this: it's like it's like there's a genetic memory, and the plants like remembering like the last extinction event. Like clouds blocked out the skies. Like not again. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> no, the plant really is going into panic mode. I it mean, the plants don't know hour darkness what's point. going on, but they know that they're not getting light when they should have, and they need to figure out how they're going to stay alive if they're going to stay alive, and they're going to go do some like sort of extraordinary things to try to do that. But that's not something that normally happens in nature. The plants don't get plunged into forty-eight hours of darkness like ever. Um, and it, you know, it, it gets back to I think why I'm so interested in calling it the bolt instead of the stretch is so growers start to think about it differently because so many growers think of it as being a problem when it's really not a problem. I don't think you should ever try to to suppress it or or make it go away or make it be smaller. Plan for it. Plan ahead. Realize that your plants are going to bolt and that's going to affect how big they end up being. And I think the biggest time that growers try to suppress this is because they veg too long. They don't have enough space left. And they're like, you know, at that point, plants grow too big because otherwise I'm going to have to like call something or move to a bigger tent or something. But well, that's, we, that's more. Them. They can cut them. They can cut them. They could tie them. They could bend them. There's so many options. Yeah, but that being can. said, I scrub them. we got to wrap it up. You, you can increase the monosilica if you're using it by increasing the doses. It will uh, make the internodes uh, shorter space. It will create shorter plants if that's what they're looking for. And like even like blue, but certain spectrums can make it a little bit tighter. But I think I agree on with what Doc is saying. We yeah, want productive, yeah. healthy, fast growth, ideally. Hell yeah. But that's it. I want to go ahead and give the guests this evening a chance to give their final thoughts and shout out. First, starting with Chicha B. Oh, Where can of course. Find you? Anyways, cheers, everyone. Thanks for having. Thanks for doing this, kind of opening up and letting everybody hang out. Um, thanks for all the advice. Um, yeah, happy Sunday. And uh, you can find me on Instagram. I do have a YouTube. But yeah, cheers to all of you guys. Great yeah, YouTube cheers. channel. Definitely check out Chicha B on YouTube. Uh, good stuff over there. And Oki Grower is up next. <laughs> Okay, you with us? Sorry there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. 
Thanks for all the tips and everything. And learn a lot from watching these shows. So, And even, I would say, even though we talked a lot about the lights, if it's not like uh, within your budget or doable right now, it, you're killing it. You're rocking it. You're making it work. So keep on growing. You're doing a lot right. And you've expanded it to a place where you're growing more medicine at home for yourself than most people are able to. So hats off to you. You're doing great things over there. And, and thanks for showing off the garden and uh, coming in yeah, for another night. We always appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Really appreciate Next it. Up, hemp with Gigi. You're muted. You're muted, Gigi. Hey, Hemp with Gigi, uh, final thoughts and shout out from you and let the people know. Gigi. Where I was I was on mute. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Then you didn't hear anything. You can definitely find me over on uh, Cocoa for Cannabis. Uh, Hemp with Gigi. You can find me on uh, YouTube, Hemp with Gigi, and Instagram. Every Sunday we do a live show for 20 p.m. EST over on uh, the YouTube channel. Thanks for having me. You always have all the guests that I look up to and respect, and you also help all of us new growers. So I appreciate everyone in Growers Love. Girl, I love to you, and thank you so much for coming and showing off your garden. It's looking great. We always appreciate having you. And uh, last and certainly you. not least of our guests this evening, we've got the dog doctor. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for having me. Girl, I love Jack, RMJ, Spartan, Shot, everybody. You guys also, Secha, Gigi, Oki. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to see your gardens also. And I'm Dog Doctor. You can find me on in Instagram, Morning Grow Diaries as Dog Doctor Official. And I uh, would like to shout out to Aptus Nutrients for uh, feeding my plants and Fast Buds, TikTokers, Umbleton, Royal Queen Seeds now for sending me the seeds for me to grow. I truly appreciate it. Grows love, everybody. Keep on growing and always believing. Thank Alrighty. you. Thank you for joining us. GG, please next mute. Up, I just muted him. Uh, next up, we've got <laughs> Noah. I, we were like getting him to unmute earlier and then. Uh, we needed them to be now, but hemp with GD, we appreciate you. And dog doctor, thank you so much for joining us. And next up, we got Noah, the grower as the first panelist this evening. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, sorry, uh, towards NFL playoffs, it's kind of tough for me. Plus I've had a lot of stuff going on, but, uh, I had a great time today. I love the, the clone talk earlier. I was really intent on listening and, uh, always learn stuff from all you guys. And I love to put my, you know, thoughts out there too. So See everybody here coming up next week, and uh, everybody have a good show, and growers love to everyone. Growers love to you as well, and next up, Dr. MJ. Hey, guys, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed all our special guests. I hope that Tao knows how much I, I love and appreciate him and his spirit, um, but I get really sort of passionate <laughs> about some subjects. <laughs> Like straight out of the blue, I'm like, why am I getting so passionate about the stretch and the ball? But like, it animated me today, like like nobody's business. So that was that was fun for me, Tao. I, I hope that you take it in, in good fun as well. Um, I will say, if all we're talking about is reducing internode during that growth, yeah, sure, just more blue, less red, and and you can have like smaller internodal growth. Somebody suggested that in the chat. Chat, you guys were on fire today, um, pointing out excellent Agreed. things, posing wonderful questions, and uh, keeping us all sort of on task here. So excellent job. The show wouldn't be what it is with, without the wonderful chatters that we have that show up every week. And those of you that just, you know, come every once in a while. Um, and again, thanks to those that, that joined us on the panel. I'm Dr. MJ Coco, CocoForCannabis.com. Check out my YouTube channel and I will see you guys next week. Thanks again, Doc. Always great to have you. And next up, we've got Matt Gates.
Yeah, I have to agree. The chat was particularly um, ebullient and energetic. We got a lot of cool questions, and I enjoyed answering a bunch of them in the chat as well as verbally. But if you're interested in more plant health uh, oriented questions, there's a few ways that I can help you with that. One is that you can check me out at zentanol.com for professional inquiries. You can also check me out at YouTube on my Zenthanol YouTube channel, which has a lot of educational information for people who are interested, not only for the cannabis, but also other plants and general IPM concepts. And you can also contact me through Discord. You can get access to my Discord server through my Patreon account, also called Zenthanol, for $1 a month. And there's a community of growers and other sorts of people who are interested in identification, all things IPM. So you can check me out on one of those three locations as well as Instagram at Sync Angel and Twitter at Sync Angel. I will admit the identification is actually how I first came across your page. And I still appreciate that a lot, getting to know all the different uh, pests that are out there and, and what they're called, the scientific name and then the common name. And uh, then I'm able to look into the science that you've often posted or the you know pest primers and, and ways to fight them and combat them and prevent them, all that good stuff. So really appreciate your content. And thank you for answering the questions in the chat and both on the show this evening. We always appreciate your feedback in all topics, uh, IPM and otherwise. And I believe next up, we have last and certainly not least of our panelists, the American one. Jack, as always, thanks for hosting and shout out to everyone who came up and showed their gardens and uh, talked about them. Chicha B, Oki, Grower, Hepa Gigi, Dog Doctor, Official, always good to see all them peoples. It's good to see everyone in chat. Uh, Zentanol, Dr. MJ Coco, I hope I didn't get you too riled up, but I like playing devil's advocate. That was fun there. And uh, shout out to uh, ETG Acres, Brandon Rust, and Kyle Breeder, Pure Breeding, in their absence. We love them boys, too, and hope they're doing great. And, uh, yeah, shout out to everyone in chat. Uh, and like I said, man, make this week better than last week and not as good as the one after. We'll catch you on the rebounds. The American one just made my job a whole lot easier. Shout out to everyone he just shouted out because he just did it beautifully. <laughs> I'm not going to go through the list again, but I, I totally agree with that. And I want to... Uh, third or fourth the comment earlier that the chat was really on fire tonight great questions uh just amazing interaction uh kept us going and they still do continue to i mean we wouldn't be at 201 episodes if it weren't for the chat a lot of the every third episode it seems at this point is uh chat q a and, and panel which i think a lot of us are fans of a lot of people say these are their favorite episodes so uh, a lot of people look forward to that and i like it myself personally as a mix of things that we do and I, i'm continuing to plan on having more of these moving forward so if you like that and you'd want to continue to see more of it stick around you'll find it right here you can find me at jack greenstock on instagram primarily jack underscore greenstock on twitter my backup account is also that on Instagram. But uh, if you want to email me, dragongreenstock47 at gmail.com. And if you'd like a book, 50 Strains of Green is on 50strains.com. So thank you, everybody, for coming. We really do. Can't even uh, understate how much we appreciate all of you, both uh, the people that listen live and the people that jump on the panel with us and the listeners of the podcast afterwards. You all matter a lot to us and uh, keep us motivated to grow better ourselves and keep on growing and uh, inspire and influence the growers out there. So thank you to all of you and have a great week. Catch y'all next week. Jack Green Sox signing out. Later, everyone. Grow love, Grow everyone. Grow love, everybody.